0: This is Ashley at Recovery Radio, and I'm having a great day. I hope you are, too. I'm expressing my gratitude today by volunteering at Recovery Radio, helping them fulfill their mission to provide quality audio support to recovering people. If you would like to help and give expression to your gratitude as well, you can do so by donating to our cause. Please go to recoveryradio.net and click the Donate button. We will put your generosity to work supporting the worldwide community of recovering people. And you'll feel good knowing you found a way to share your gratitude with many people today.
1: God, please set aside what I think I know about cocaine, about my addiction, about these steps, about this book, about this conference. And especially about you, God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all of these things. Hey, y'all, I'm Scott Jackson. I'm a recovered
0: addict.
1: You know, you got to know, if you're sitting in here tonight, you got to know there's a, a powerful God that we serve because you can't put this many dope fiends in a room and get this much fried chicken eaten at one time, man, because we don't eat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right. We good now, but but it took God for that to happen, right?
0: <laughs>
1: and that's what happens here. We get we get hooked up in here. You know, we get hooked up with power as a result of what we do here and um that power enables us to create this type of event, and this type of fellowship, and these type of friendships, and this type of family. And uh it happens as a result of the complete surrender that happens in step one. No. Everything will happen from that. Um, Buster, I want to thank you so much for bringing me up here tonight, giving me an opportunity to talk. Uh Tarek, thank you for whatever parts you put into it. And thank you, everybody, for putting this thing on and for being here. It's an honor to be here. I, had a, I haven't spoken in about a year. I took a, a year off from talking to um, do another body of work. And I just had a need to be silent. So this is my first time speaking since about this time last year. So we'll see what happens. Um, I come from a... um, First, let me give you a disclaimer. I'm going to tell you about my experience, all right? I got asked to come up here and talk. So I'm going to tell you about what I do, a little bit about what happened to me. But what happened to me is what happened to you more than likely. So I don't got a whole lot to say about that. But I'm going to talk to you about what I do today and what my experience has been since I came into the rooms because it's the most important experience. The most important experience for me is what has happened as a result of me finding the God of my understanding and beginning to build and nurture that relationship in this body of work, in this fellowship of people, and doing this deal. So that's what I'm going to talk about. If what I talk about causes you any offense or there's any resistance to it or you don't like it, it's not personal. I don't mean it in that way. I'm here to share about what I do. In here, and how incredible my life has become as a result of completely giving myself to this simple program. So, I come from a lineage of guys, and my sponsor today is a guy named Mike Dolphin. He's um, he's out on the west coast now. He just left Austin, Texas, and moved to uh, Los Angeles. And he's a member of CA and an incredible one. My sponsor before him was a guy named Mark Houston, who passed away in February of this year. Uh, God bless him and he was about five generations away from Dr. Bob and A.A. Now, Mark was also a member of C.A. as well. So we had a, a pretty pure message. that comes down through our, uh, through our family tree or through our sponsorship lineage. And uh, we are guys who, sorry, I think Buster used the word warrior a minute ago. That's, uh, that's what we are because we're aware of what we've got. We're aware that we have an illness of the spirit that will manifest in various forms over time and ultimately... It's all about taking us back out there into that street to do a hit of cocaine. So we don't play around because we're real clear on what we got. We're real clear on where we came from. And we're real clear on what we have to do to stay free of what's out there. You know, it's interesting. I was was driving up the street a minute ago, and it came to me because I used to run right here on these streets, man, and um, run a lot for years. I was right here. You know, I turned this corner right here more times than I could count with a pipe in my mouth looking in my mirrors because I knew somebody was after me. And this God that I serve got me standing up here tonight talking to y'all about freedom. Right? How cool is that? That is cool, right? Yeah. So, I was driving down the street a minute ago and I... You know, I know we got some guys in here. Most of us in here have a good bit of us and I know some of you have been in here for a while and have gone back out. There's a reason that happens. I... Right? And it's funny, I was driving up you know I can drive up and down Ponce now, and I'm free right? and uh and I used to not be that's for sure, <laughs> and uh, I was a slave out here, man, and I shouldn't be alive, you know, but I am, but I drove by the Ponce Hotel, some of y'all might know where it is, about five blocks down the road, and it brought back a memory and i I'll, I'll tell y'all what happens to me when I take a drink and then when I take a hit of cocaine where I go. And, and what happens to me before that if I've made a decision to stop and to stay stop, right? I think back in 2002, I came in and out over the years. I'd get 30 or 45 days, something like that. The internal condition would become so intolerable. You know you know how it is when you come in here, man, and you're new. You get about 10, 15 days, you start feeling a little better. About 30 days, you're like, damn, I got this thing. Then all of a sudden, about 45 days, it's like a Mack truck runs into you. You know because the problem ain't the dope, right? the problem is the internal condition. the dope is the solution to the internal condition, so at about four, 45 days or so, what happens is inside of me, I get so jacked up that the only thing I can do, and I have no choice in doing it is I go take another hit of dope right so I've got about i had thirty eight days that time and i and I walked into a I went to see a show downtown and I was Just nuts, man. I'd come in here. I wouldn't get into the steps. I would just come to meetings. I would take no action whatsoever, right? And that's a recipe for a real addict to go back out the door, you know, because sitting in these rooms, I will not get clean and sober through osmosis if I'm the real McCoy. I'm going to have to take some action. So 38 days, I put myself in an environment that was not best for me. I walk up to a bar. I ordered six double shots of whiskey, I hammer those down. I wake up two days later in the Ponce Hotel, and I done done things to myself that... Some of y'all know exactly what I've done to myself in that time, right? And I don't have any choice in it whatsoever. And let me tell you, when I came in to the rooms that time, I absolutely, with all my heart, wanted to be clean. And sober. But at 38 days, I couldn't hold it anymore. I could not stand what was going on inside. So although I've made a firm decision with all of my mind and all of my heart to not do any more dope, without a spiritual experience I do more dope every time so I go back out and I stay out there for another nine months or so and, and, and then I came in here and when I finally when it happened on April 9th, 2003 the power of God separated me from a crack pipe from a needle and from a bottle of whiskey for the last time and I didn't choose it real addicts don't choose to get clean Okay, real addicts get beat down into a place of complete surrender Okay. When that happens, the miracle of step one occurs. Right. So I woke up that morning, a voice in my head said, there's a, there's a meeting at five, it was 523. A voice in my head said, there's a meeting at six o'clock. I said, shut up. I don't want to hear you.
0: <laughs>
1: voice in my head said again, there's a meeting louder, right? Six o'clock. Next thing I knew, I rolled out of bed and Next thing I know, and I don't remember anything, I pull up some more dirty clothes, I pull up in front of the meeting, and, and uh, I'm at a meeting, the next thing I know, some guy's giving me a white chip, and um and then the next thing I know, is six days later, I come to, in a meeting, I don't remember any of that time, and there's a moment of clarity, it says, the, the voice says again, it says, the next thing I hear, you have no idea how to live, and you are going to die. Right? And I stood right up in the middle of that meeting and I walked over to a man and I said, will you please help me? I have no idea. I repeated what the voice said. I said, I have no idea how to live and I'm going to die. And this guy said, yes, I will help you. And he grabbed a hold of me. And some other guys grabbed a hold of me. And from that day to this day, I've been willing to do absolutely anything I have to do never to be back out there again. Right? Now, here's the interesting thing is that when that happens in us, when that... See, the book says that we had to admit to our innermost self, complete defeat, right? The first step is nothing anybody can take for me. There's nothing you can talk me into. And nothing you can scare me into with your war stories of how bad it was for you out there, okay? Because if what I've gone through out there is not bad enough for me to want to get sober, then what you tell me about what you've done is definitely not bad enough for me to get sober, right? So it's going to have to happen on an internal level. And when it does... It's like the heavens will open up for us, man, because there's this thing in me that says I absolutely have to run every area of my life and I, have to, I absolutely have to run everything that I do. Right. I've got everything under control, no matter how crazy it might look. And I've got this whole drug usage thing down, too. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to get it one day. I'm going to turn it all around, right? Who's got those thoughts, right? You done burned everything you got to the ground. You got rabbit ears hanging out of your pockets. You got nothing left, man. But one day I'm going to turn it around. Right? I mean, and that's where we get. So there has to be that surrender inside. And when that happened, I became willing to do whatever I'd have to do. Now, the reason that, that people like us who have that experience who get connected because that's a step one experience understand that's when it happens right and the reason that people like us go back out and use dope again is one of two reasons either we're never connected to step one or we lose our connection to step one the way I live my life today will look what my connection to step one looks like right? So if I'm connected to the fact that I'm going to drink whiskey and do dope no matter what and I never have had never have nor will I ever have the power to choose not to drink or do dope again, okay if I'm connected to that then I'm always going to be remain willing to do everything I have to do in here to stay free from that because I'm never given choice. See there's people in here that say I woke up today and I chose not to do dope. I say, well, good for you because you're not my you're not of my ilk. If you can wake up today and choose not to do dope, then you don't need God. You don't need this power. You don't need these steps. Because we're told clearly that we never ever recover control. It does not happen. We have lost the ability to control and enjoy our using. Whoever controlled using crack in the first place, right? Some control crack smoking. <laughs> it's funny Um, but you know and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what what I do I go back through the work fortunately I got lined up at about two and a half years clean man I was crazy as a bed bug I was sitting on unfinished amends and I wasn't nearly out in a a hurry to do them right because I'd lost some connection to step one because nine steps about first step and so is everything else But I went pretty nuts in the rooms, and my life was just a disaster. And in that surrender of that current disaster, what happened was I was led to a guy down in Forest Park who ultimately led me to Mark Houston, who was out in Texas. And what Mark taught me was that for him, and it ended up being paralleling for me, is that one time through the work, going through one through 9 once, and living in 10, 11, and 12, the rest of my life was going to be inadequate for a guy like me because see that surrender that happens at step 1 that place where the ego is absolutely deflated that goes away right we start to get our money back we start to get a girl we get a girl back or a guy back we get all the stuff back and then the desperation that showed up when we lost all the stuff is not there anymore and what we call that is resurgence of the ego resurgence of the thing that is going to separate me from god long enough to get me to put another pipe in my mouth or a needle in my vein. And trust me man, it's always knocking, right? It's always knocking. And it will look, I'll be able to see if it's knocking based on the way my life looks, right? So, and I'll get to that. So what happened was, I was taught how to go back into the work at a distance away from my last drink and hit a dope. And actually have a current step, a current experience with step one, and that current experience with step one will thrust me into step two, and so on and so forth. See, the steps are designed, and remember, they're divinely inspired, so they're divinely designed to thrust me into the next step. I don't, have, if I'm balking at a step, and it's because something's missing in the step that I've just done some work in. Right now. And that's a fact, man. I've got enough experience doing this work to know that when I'm balking at step four, my decision in three ain't firm, right? Yeah. So, and that's just the way it is. So we go, me and the guys I work with, all the people I work with, and I'm blessed to work with a lot of people, man. It's a, it's a good life. We go back through the work over and over again. We commit to this body of work a minimum of once a year. And we'll start back at step one, and we'll go all the way through. And understand, the reason we do it, we don't do it because CA is not a self-help program. Okay? This is not about getting all my stuff back. That's one of the benefits. This is about God, and this is about me getting a relationship with God, because I'm powerless over cocaine, and my life has become unmanageable. So I need to get some power in my life, so cocaine's gone, and I need to get some manageability in my life, and it's going to take God to do that because I can't manage it for shit on my own power. So we get connected back to the truth in the first half of step one, which is that I'm powerless over cocaine. And we do that by looking, you know, there's 53 pages in the big book that tell us about step one, right? You got a hundred pages where the whole thing happens. Well, fifty-three of them are devoted to the first step, so that tells us something about the seriousness of the step. So, but hyphen and my life to become unmanageable. So that tells me second thought. So, what we really look at once we get past getting connected to the powerlessness over cocaine again, which we do, what we look at then is, is page fifty-two. It says my says I'm having trouble in personal relationships. I'm a prey to misery and depression. I can't seem to be of real help to other people. I have feelings of uselessness. I'm unhappy. I'm full of fear. See, there's some of us in here right now, I bet, that have been here for a while that have got some of those things going on in their life. Right? Now that, if, if that's, a, now if you knew, you definitely got some of that going on in your life and that's okay. We got a solution for that. But if you've been here for a while and you've done a body of work, and maybe you don't got all your night nice step amends finished, and maybe you're not working with 10 or 11. Maybe you're not really in the game. You're just going to meetings. If you're a real addict, more than likely, you've got some of that stuff on page 52 showing up. Now understand, that's when I talked about cocaine knocking. That's what's knocking. When that stuff's showing up, it's knocking, right? Because this deal in me is going to do everything it can to separate me from you, from myself, and from God long enough so that it gets another hit of dope. And it's going to do it in whatever way it wants, right? I mean, we look at the stories in the big book. we got a couple of them. One guy goes because he, he, he's pissed off because somebody owns his old business and he's mad because the boss jumped his ass about something. So he goes out Jim, you know, the story about Jim in the big book. So he's got a resentment. He's mad. And he goes out and drinks some whiskey, right? Then Fred, at the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon, and Fred drinks whiskey too, right? And both of them know they're going to the asylum if they drink whiskey. So that's how hopeless we are. Cause we all got that going on. So when this stuff's happening on page 52, that's what that's about. Now I, and when I come through this work, I look at that. I ask those questions. Am I having trouble in personal relationships? How does my work life look? You know? How does my relationship look? How do my friendships look? How do people I sponsor look? How's the relationship with my mom and dad look? You know? How does this stuff look? Am I trying to manage these people? Am I fighting with these people? Am I arguing with these people? Right? Because that's trouble in personal relationships. And here's the deal. If my relationship with God is right, which is internal, everything out here will be fine. If everything's, if I got a bunch of drama going on out here, then my relationship in here is tainted. That's a fact. Because what's going on out here is a reflection of my connection to spirit. It's just a fact. Now remember, the spiritual malady is not specific just to alkies and addicts. Spiritual malady exists in all kinds of human beings. Fact is, our shit manifests in a way that kills us graveyard dead. Dead is that delicious fried chicken we just ate. So we got to get some power so we don't end up like that, right? Thank God we know what the problem is. Right? So... When I see all that stuff there on the page, man, it thrusts me immediately into something's wrong with what's going on with my relation with God. That's obvious. I move into the second step. And and when I move into the second step, we go back into it and we dig. We look at what step two looks like. You know, I'll come to believe I come from step one into step two, right? And I will see if I've got all this unmanageability, why is it? That I've got, Why? what's wrong with my relationship with God? What is it that I'm really thinking about God that would show up in my life in all this unmanageability? Right, because unmanageability in my life is about self-reliance. If I'm god reliance the unmanageability goes away. So it's about my self-reliance. It's really that simple. So when I look at step two, I'll work on... The idea that possibly my old conception of God is not working for me—maybe we need to change this conception of God a little bit. Maybe I need to expand how I feel and view my my God, right? And I'll do that in, in direct correlation to what shows up in my unmanageability. But here's a—you know—we all part of getting sober, part of getting clean is—it's is, a process. We we trade the dope. See, the first thing sobriety is a never-ending series of surrenders, right? The first surrender of which is the surrender to the cocaine, the surrender to the whiskey, whatever it is. Then it's going to be maybe to money, or maybe it's going to be to my physical health, to the insanity in relationships or sex, or both. You know, all kinds of stuff shows up. Gambling, there's all kind of other stuff that pops up for us, right? And that's and that's okay. And if that's your if that's your truth, then you're right at home, you're in the right place, because we got a lot of that. And it's not to be judged, we just observe it, but there's gonna be more and more surrenders that come and, and without those surrenders, there's gonna be a thing that'll take me back to a head dope. Because once I get it in me, I'm bad. See the book says selfishness, self centered, that's what'll go of my troubles. It also says that selfishness will kill me, and I must be rid of this selfishness and I cannot do it without God's help. It doesn't say just that cocaine's gonna kill me. It says selfishness is gonna kill me. And that's gonna show up in all kinds of ways, right? A lot of it's about the way to just treat our body. Here's what it says. So when I'm looking out here and all these other things for God, it'll never be there. But here's where God is. It says, actually we're fooling ourselves, but deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things. See, calamity, pomp, and worship of other things. You ever ask yourself that question? What do I worship? Do an exercise. Say, what things do I worship today? Do I worship her? Do I worship him? You know? Do I worship the money? worship the job worship the blame you know what I'm saying I mean, there's all kind of stuff we might be worshiping so that will obscure our connection to God because faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself we finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup just as much as the feeling we have for a friend sometimes we had to search fearlessly but he was there He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality that's capitalized. We found God. The great reality. Deep down within us. In the last analysis, in the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It is so with us. See, that's talking about step one, right? Step one's last analysis. Step one's when everything else is done. When I got no more power, only in that place will a real addict turn to power, which is inside. And that's the key. And if you can't stay sober, you can't stay clean, then something's not happening there that will turn you into that power. There's something that's not occurring to create that last analysis. You know, and Maybe we're relying on too many things out here to give us what only that which is in here can give us. Second step will, of course, lead me into third step. Now, third step is a great thing because I... In, because it says I make a decision here, right? We do, we make a decision. It says here I'm hereafter in this drama of life, God's going to be the director. Because we just realize that I've been the director all my life, and it's failed miserably. It's failed, drunk or sober, right? It's failed in everything that I do. So I make a decision, right? That hereafter God's going to be my director again, right? And then I affirm that decision with a prayer, and I use the third step prayer again from the book. And it's an affirmation of my decision that God's going to be the director. He's going to be the father. I'm going to be the child. He's going to be the principal and I'm going to be the agent. And I love being known. I love knowing. Don't you love knowing you're an agent for God? One empowered to do the work of God. That's what happens here, right? We can empower to do work. What were we empowered to do before? (laughs) Um, Now here's the deal something happens you know i i fell victim to a belief that i would be okay in one through nine once and that i could live strongly enough in 10 11 and 12 right and and it didn't work out because somehow i miss little resentments get by me little stuff gets by me right throughout the course of a day and they start building on some level that I can't see inside. So when I commit back to this work, when I come out of that third step and I go into my fourth step again, I start writing and all of a sudden all these names come off the paper, right? And the book says that resentment is the number one offender has it, it, it kills more of us than anything else. So and it doesn't say what degree of resentment does, it just says that resentment does. Right? So and when I show get up to the piece of paper and I got a whole bunch of resentments, you gotta understand that all of that stuff is in the way of the thing that I need to absolutely maintain sobriety. The thing that I need to maintain freedom. And it's impossible for me to fix that with my mind. And the crafty ego which has rebuilt itself will tell me, no, that ain't a resentment, man. That guy's just an asshole. It's all right. (laughs) You know, that's probably a resentment. (laughs) Put it in the paper and see what happens. Now, here's what, the fourth step, I've I've just, I'm in a current night step amends in my eighth body of work, so I've done eight bodies of work, and that's almost as many years, and my fourth one, I did my first extended third column, you know, what that means is we, we before that, I didn't really know what was going on in resentment, and I, in my four-step inventory with resentments, and I can say that because I, I had such an incredible contrast between doing checklist-style inventories to actually doing extended written third column. See, it it opened my eyes. Right? It says the world and its people really dominated me. Right? Write an extended third column, man, and be like, damn, they really dominate me. You know, I base everything in how I view myself, how you're supposed to view me, the ambitions of what I need and everything we do, the security I need in everything that we do. Right. That stuff shows up when I write the extended third column. What comes out is ugly, but that's good. That's going to carry me on to freedom. And until I started to see that, I had no idea what was really going on. I thought that the fourth step was about the fourth column. I thought the fourth step was about the harm I had caused. The reason I'm causing harm in the fourth column is because I'm so asleep that you're you're affecting all these areas of self so greatly in me, right? That third column. So I'm constantly, and this is why, because I think that I'm God and it shows up in my actions. I think that everybody's supposed to do what I think they're supposed to do. I think they're supposed to act in AA and CA the way that I say is best. I think my girlfriend's supposed to do what I think's best. I think my boss and my co-worker's supposed to do what I think's best. And you know, and won't well, none of them do it. And it pisses me off, right? Yeah. If everybody would just act right, everything would be perfect, right? Yeah. Traffic. I haven't been mad in traffic, man, in, in a couple of years. You used to have to watch out, yeah. I will shoot you in some traffic, man. I was crazy man. That's sober, all
0: right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we really see the truth of what's going on in the fourth step and um but still that actually dissolves a lot of stuff when I see that truth, you know, in column three. Because here's the key. If all of my troubles are of my own making, which they are You're never my trouble. You know, you're not my trouble. No one's my trouble. All my troubles are of my own design. Right? Every one of them. So, if all my troubles are of my own making, what shows up in column two in the fourth step has to be a lie. So, column three and column four are going to have to turn the cause of the resentment into a lie. And I'm able to see that when I write this work. Every year, I see more and more of it. Right? I don't use much treatment center jargon because it's not really my thing but there is that expression peeling back layers of the onion and, and it fits well if you continue to do this work because we will continue to peel back more and more stuff. The ego becomes crafty because it doesn't want to die so the way that it tries to run the show will become more subtle and nice. All right? The way that I try to get you to do what I need you to do will become slick. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. And the longer we're here, the more dangerous it gets, man. That's the deal. That's the deal. So, of course, I'm moving the fifth step then. Now, we read, most of the time, me and the guys in my lineage, we read to multiple people in the lineage. Book said, person or persons to hear the fifth step, so we uh, tend to share it around with a bunch of guys that we're close to I mean, we don't post it on a, on Facebook or nothing, but we <laughs> we, 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 sh- we share it around with guys that we trust because you know what happens you know sponsors die, sponsors get drunk, sponsors move away. you know it's good to have a multitude of people in your network that know your truth because then people can hold you accountable too, and we need some accountability and it's good to have guys close to us to do that. I'm fortunate enough to have a a, a good crew of them on a sixth step. And my current experience with six steps has been wonderful. The past few have been wonderful. But in the beginning, what happens is I just I make a list. Now, the, the defects are showing up. They show up in my inventory, right? They're there. They show up in my fifth step. And there's a lot of them. But the key is, before we really move on to seventh step, is we must be ready to have that stuff removed. And i tell you from my experience, if I'm not ready to have lust removed, I'm not ready to have gluttony removed, I'm not ready to have these things removed, I will skip over that step and I'll say, oh yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Give me that pie. (laughs) Right? (laughs) One o'clock in the morning, yeah. Give me two more chicken legs, right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the thing
1: is, now here's the key, man, step six is about, is really, about becoming entirely ready to have God remove these defects of character. So I sit with step six and I pray for willingness if I'm not willing until it comes. And that can be an arduous process. But I do it because my life depends on it. And I sit with it until it comes. And my buddy Carl over here has got a great experience, man. He he shares with me. I mean, body work he went through, when it came... It hit him like a ton of bricks, he fell to his knees, and he prayed a seventh step. That's when you know you got a sixth step, right? When you feel it, man, it will fill you up, right? Seventh step, I humbly from my knees ask God to remove these defects of character. And now, and then I let it go because I don't know what God's going to take from me. It's seven steps. And if I have the belief system that God's going to remove all of it, I'm probably going to be pissed off at God pretty shortly thereafter. <laughs> it probably ain't going to go away. Not all of it. Because the cool part about it is, is that only that which gave me my self will can remove my self will from me, which is God. And God might need me to hang on to some of it because I need some stuff. There's stuff I need to learn or maybe people I need to teach. Mm-hmm. Okay? So when I do a seventh step, I know that my heart's in it completely, and then I move on. And whatever goes away, goes away, and that's awesome. Whatever stays is not as awesome, but it's okay. Because it's going to show up again, right? We're going to do some more work on it. The eighth step. And man, it's a trip. I come through this thing, and, and let me back up the fourth step. I was talking to a guy recently. You know, in case y'all don't know, there's a page, two pages in the book that talk about the sex inventory, but most of the people I know in CA and AA don't have anything to do with those two pages <laughs> because nobody wants to have to actually straighten their shit up in sex. It seems like, you know, sex and checks is where the problems are, right? i was <laughs> talking to a guy the other day, 25 years sober, and he's a big name in the, in the recovery community around here. And I said, have you ever written a, a sex inventory from page 69? And done a sane sound ideal from page 69? You could hear a pen drop over the phone, right?
0: <laughs>
1: nope. Damn.
0: You
1: know, that's a trip, man. I mean, it's right there. There are nine questions right there that are crystal clear that show us how to inventory our sexual relationships. Are he and she And you can do it in any relationship. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with your mom and your daddy. Do any of it. That, that, those nine questions are incredible. And I tell you, if you really do it, take your heart into that piece of work, what will come out of it is amazing. And then, and the reason, if we still got a bunch of drama in our relationships while sober, and trust me, I have a profound amount of experience with drama in relationships while sober, <laughs> so I know what I'm talking about. It's because of my self-reliance and my inability to really ask God to help me live up to the ideal that I create in the fourth step, okay? So there comes another one of those surrenders, right? Then I finally go, all right, you got it. I'm done. You can have it. What do I have to do to live up to this ideal? Because it's been created out of this inventory. I just want to touch base on that. It's phenomenal how many people in here don't do it. Just do not do it you know it's a trip and the truth is nothing counts when it's in the beginning of the fourth chapter, it says nothing counts but completeness or thoroughness and honesty right and we'll just skip right over that
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: never mind that thoroughness and honesty I got this sex thing have remember cocaine's knocking right it's going to knock with that too right it's going to knock selfishness kills me so ninth step, and, and i tell you man, it's humbling going out here with some time sober and having to go make amends for causing people harm when I've been here a while, I'm in the game I'm doing the work and I'm still harming people because I'm still in little areas of my life, I'm relying on myself and I'm trying to run the show right? but the, the miracle is is that if I'm completely committed to this thing and to this game God will take care of me through all of it. He will let me act a fool. He has. I know y'all find it hard to believe, but he has. He will take care of me through anything. Right? Let me tell you, man, I've done... I, I really don't understand or comprehend this power because I've done just about everything in sobriety that will get most people drunk and high as hell, I think. But that ain't no joke. Yeah. I need to do the work a lot, trust me.
0: Because
1: <laughs> I was a really bad guy before I got here. So I have to do the work a lot to get hooked up with what I need. But somehow, man, that that complete surrender that happened keeps me in the game, right? You know, that first third step, evidently there was enough power in it to keep me connected. At times, even if it's just been by a hangnail, I've been here, but everybody ain't that fortunate, man. A lot I've buried a lot of people. I don't know, I mean who all here buried somebody since I've been here? Look at that. That's a lot of dead people, man. You know, from this thing. And every one of them people at one time probably thought, Yep, I've had enough. I'm not gonna do this anymore, right? They're still dead. So now here's here's the deal. The tenth step. Mark used to say to me, "He says, Scott, the tenth step is an abyss. It has, it is a, a limitless place to be. Okay, it says it has no ceiling, no floor, no walls. Right, the tenth step is an abyss." So, and I say, "Okay, sure, Mark, whatever you say." And because I had no idea what the hell he was talking about, really, because. It's one of those things you got to have experience with, right? I've got to have some experience with that. But Now, the 10th step is, a, is a, a way for me to live recovery when I'm up and walking around. It's a way that I walk out of my door in the morning, and I actually am going to live this thing in my life. I'm going to watch for resentment, selfishness, dishonesty, and fear, right? And they're going to crop up. because When these crop up, and they're going to crop up, right? They're going to. I'm going to ask God to help me remove them. I'm going to make amends if I've caused harm. I'm going to talk to somebody if I need to, right? I'm going to turn and help somebody or at least turn out of myself into something else. Now, the reason that's an abyss is because the 10th step is about the now. It's about present moment awareness. It's about being right here, right now in my body, not in next week, not in last month, about being right here, right? And that is where God is. Remember, our book says you must find God now because that's the only place God is, is right now. God ain't tomorrow. God ain't yesterday. God's right here with us right now in this room in this moment. Right? I mean, that's the deal right there. And that's what the 10th step is. For the ones of you that that are mad at me right now and want to leave the room, see? God's not outside the room yet, because you're still right here.
0: <laughs>
1: it's right now. That's what the ten steps about, right? Yeah. I continue to watch right now what's going on inside me. Right? Be the be the guardian inside. Become the guardian of my inner space. I start to guard what's happening inside of me. Right? I become alert. I become present. Now this happens because it says that. We have been restored to sanity. Understand that it doesn't happen until this point. I begin to make amends. I begin to go out to people that I have harmed out of my effort to live life on my own will, out of my effort to get you to do what I need you to do, right? And I keep create a lot of wreckage doing that. So I go out and I start cleaning that up with you. And it's not an, just an apology. It's right. I go and I say, what can I do? I look you in your eyes and I say, what can I do to make right what I've done wrong to you? How do I make it right? And I do whatever I have to do to do that. And and, and what happens then is sanity starts to arise, right? It starts to be restored. And the cool thing is, is at this point, I can drive down Ponce and Parkway don't call my name when I drive by. And my truck don't turn in because I swear that damn truck turned in so many times over there. And I said, truck don't turn in, and it turned in.
0: <laughs>
1: you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> you know? And so sanity has been restored, and I get placed in a position of neutrality. That's what it says. It I've been placed in a position of neutrality. I'm safe and protected. Right? By what? By God. By the God that I've begun to experience as a result of doing this work. Remember, I'm thrust from step to step to step to step. Because I'm willing to go to any lengths to get sobriety. And 10 Step's amazing stuff. And let me tell you, the better my 10 Step has gotten, the the better work I do with it, it's amazing what happens around me. It's amazing the the nourishment of the relationships that I'm in. My work, let me tell you, I used to be difficult at work, man. They actually do stuff for me at work now. I mean, they're like, they're good to me. And there were some women in there. I came out of the field and I was a roughneck and I came in the office and them women hated me, man, because I was rough and been working with construction workers for a long time and, and I did not know how to talk to women in the office. And, uh, that has changed greatly and now they, they go out of their way to help me, you know. But 10 step, 10 step, 10 step, well, 9 step, then 10 step, for them, right? <laughs> and those things are so much better now. And the 11 step. You know, Mark's, I heard Mark say one time to a group of people, it might have been six, 700 people in the room, he said, I want you to consider that if you're not working with meditation, you do not know God. And you heard people people's breath went out of them. I mean, some of the people in that room was jacked up when he said that. You know, then I looked at what happened, I looked at my experience, pre-meditation, right? Post-meditation, right? Currently, I'm still doing meditation, so it, but what has happened as a result of the meditative practices that I do in the 11th step is indescribable. There' are not words here for it. but the, the 11th step is also an abyss. I worked for a long time for doing the same prayers over and over, you know, and that finally quit working for me. It worked great for a while, but it finally it gets dull. you know I mean, anybody got experience for that? You do the same thing over and over for a year, for 18 months. It gets boring, right? I mean, man, we got minds, shit we're like we I mean, we're crack addicts, man, we got minds like this, man, we need something we need some fresh stuff, you know what i mean we need we need something new, right? 'cause our little mind's just getting it going, so and and I get and the eleventh step needs to look like that as well. I need to mix it up for me, it works great. Uh, different meditations, different visualizations, different spiritual communities. See, I can do anything I want in step 11 as long as it's done within the modality of the 12 step, right? The problem with a lot of us is that we're real addicts and we'll get real hooked up in some spiritual arena. Let that spiritual arena pull us out of this place where we're supposed to be. And then we back out in the dope trap, right? And the reason that happens, the book says it clearly. It says, keep your head in the clouds and your feet firmly planted on the ground. The way my feet stay firmly planted on the ground is by doing what Buster said when he introduced me. I work with alcoholics. I work with dope fiends. I hang out in meetings. I do this thing. That's my feet on the ground, right? And I keep my head in the clouds as much as I can through the spiritual disciplines of 10 and 11. And that keeps me hooked up. So... But I can, I've got, man, I got a buddy right now that's out there dying who got so deep into meditation and he was four and a half years sober that he decided he didn't need to hang out in AA rooms anymore. Didn't need to hang out working with drunks anymore. He was all hooked up. Then all of a sudden he pulled into a liquor store one day. You know, that truck took a right turn. He pulled in, bought a pint of vodka and he, and he, that's a year and a half ago and he can't stop drinking. Alright? And this guy was a, a soldier, man. You know? But his head got too far in the clouds and his feet went with it. And that can happen to any one of them. Now, And here's the key. Here's the kicker. As a result of doing all that, I have a spiritual awakening.
0: Right?
1: I have a spiritual awakening. Now what does that look like? I have an awakened spirit. Uh, my spirit is awakened. I'm energetic. I'm loving. I get along with people. I walk into meetings. People want what I got, right? You know that? You have people coming up to you, working with people. That's because I have an awakened spirit. That's as the result of taking these steps, then as that result I get to work with other people and I try to carry this message to them and to practice these principles in all my affairs and then invariably in that time little stuff starts to grow the resurgence of the ego happens and I start to cycle over so that's why I know and I'm committed to this work at this level because it'll always be that way I'll always have this stuff showing up right? Self-will, part of our deal. And it's crafty. So, thank God I know that I'm committed to this work from this day to the day I go away. And it is the baseline by which I know God. Mark said that to me when he said, Scott, the modality by which you and I know God is the 12 steps. Many people might use the church or various other things, but because of what our deal is, this is what we do. And that's great to know, right? I need to grind that into my consciousness, right? That this is what I do. And I stay in here with all my friends and all the people I love. And you know, and we hang out. In here we got two things, right? We've got immediate family and we've got kissing cousins. All right? You kiss your kissing cousin, right? But you hang out with your people, right? So it's fine. You can do whatever you want in CA. You can talk about your relationship. You can talk about your job. You can talk about... All that stuff that don't have a damn thing to do with getting sober and clean. And that's fine with me, and I'll give you a little kiss on cheek, And I'm cool with that, right? And I don't have any judgment over any of that anymore. But I hang out with people that need power because they're my type, right? That's what I do. You know, Bob said, if I go after this thing with one half the zeal, I went after a drink. I will not fail. My heavenly Father will never let me down. Right? Well, I go after it with more than one half disease. You know, I smoke. I mean, I drink whiskey, smoke crack like a mad dog. Right? I, I didn't do it like a chihuahua. So why? Would, why, why would my recovery look like a chihuahua? Right? It's gonna look like a mad dog. It better, right? Because if it don't, I'm done. If you was a chihuahua out there, then you can be a chihuahua in here. (laughs) But if you was a a mad dog, you better hang out with your people, is what I'm saying, right? You better hang out with your people. Because we need you. We need the mad dogs in the trenches, man. Because the trenches is where we hang out.
0: And here's what happened.
1: The great fact is just this, and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. So there's the question. What's the central fact of your life today? Is it the fact that your Creator has entered into your heart in a way which is indeed miraculous? Or is it your bank account?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or your girlfriend or your relationship. Mm-hmm. Because if we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences, then the central fact is this I got God in my heart and I want to give some of it to you. I want to share it with you in every way. Right? And I want you to have some of it. Because it's freely given, right? And it's freely received. I love y'all. Thanks.